Welcome to The Bipod, a podcast about all things bisexual. We cover topics like bisexual representation, our own experiences, and queer culture. I'm Chelsea, and my pronouns are they and them. I'm Christina, and my pronouns are she and her. We define bisexuality as experiencing attraction to people who share your gender identity and to those who don't. We welcome anyone who has any kind of relationship with or curiosity about queerness. For more info about the show, you can visit thebipod.com or find us on Instagram at thebipod. We don't know everything. At all. This podcast is one piece of the long history of bisexual and queer discourse. We're here to be part of the conversation. Let's get into it. Happy bye week. Happy bye week. Yeah, it is um, when the folks at home are hearing this episode, it is almost over, right? Um, yes, uh, this episode will come out on the 22nd. Mm-hmm. And the culmination of bye week is uh, celebrate bisexuality plus day, which is September 23rd. Oh, um, just in time. Happy celebrate bisexuality plus day eve. <laughs> Uh, yeah uh gender is so happy that it's gonna be bisexual plus day um for those of you who aren't familiar uh bi week is um kind of the the short name for uh bi awareness week which is organized by glad the bisexual resource center and still bisexual to recognize the bi plus community um and per their website um bi plus awareness week seeks to accelerate acceptance of the bi plus bisexual pansexual fluid no label queer etc community uh bi week draws attention to the experiences while also celebrating the resiliency of the bisexual plus community Throughout Bi Week, allies and Bi Plus people learn about the history, culture, community, and current policy priorities of the Bi Plus communities. I love that. Yeah. So um, how does it feel to be perceived, Christina? (laughs) Oh. (laughs) It's like Bisexual Visibility Day when it's like, oh, no, they can see us today. Um, I was talking to um, one of my friends who's like not an artist and like not a queer person. Mm-hmm. I have a few of those. Um, Brave. A while I know. <laughs> a while ago, and he was asking me about my book. He was like, "How does it like? How has it been to have a book out in the world?" And I was like, "Well, it's like mostly good, but like being perceived in book form, like the permanence of art is like pretty excruciating and like weird." And he was like. <laughs> being perceived like what do you mean and I was like what do you mean (laughs) um he was like I I was like isn't it weird to be known and he was like no I guess I'll have to think about that and I was like what (laughs) Uh, wild um to just be perceived and not worry about it good for you if that's you at home um I mean it feels nice to be celebrated uh, I think um, yeah. I choose to experience I feel like um, awareness weeks like this like 
they because they are they serve a particular like a more specific community um it's the kind of thing that like i feel like a lot of homophobic people probably don't know about Mm -hmm. bye week you know whereas like when you go to the pride parade there's going to be like a few haters in the corner with shitty signs who just wanted an excuse to watch the pride parade um i feel like with bye week like it's um potentially at least in my experience with like these kinds of like hyper specific not hyper specific but more specific celebrations um it's a little bit more like this is us and like our like friends um talking about our issues um and like our things um and that's kind of nice um yeah how about you how does it feel to be perceived Uh, well, um, I have lots of feelings about being perceived generally, which, mm-hmm. um, I've definitely talked about. I mean, we have a whole episode titled being perceived really does it for me. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but I, I have complicated feelings. Like I very much love being in community and um and opportunities to like for people to come together and with like any kind of um any kind of visibility or like awareness I don't know holiday event kind of deal um I am also cognizant of or I'm also asking myself like who are we doing this for? Like, Mm -hmm. is this, um, who are we speaking to when we're talking about like bi visibility? Are we affirming queer people? Are we trying to educate straight people? Are we like trying to validate bi people specifically? And like, mm-hmm. not that, not that it can't do all of those things, um, but I think I, I am always a little bit like nervous about uh, pandering to straight people, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and it's it makes me a little bit sad that like that's um, a thing that I have to think about, or I guess I don't have to, but like. Um, I we're coming up on uh coming out national coming out day and it's both like wonderful to see people like affirming their own identities and also I'm like why are we like what is who are we coming out for mm-hmm. are we doing it for ourselves or are we doing it because like that's the narrative of like what queer people are supposed to do and then like does that just put a bunch of pressure on queer folks to like perform in a certain way or to come out even if they're not ready for that and um I didn't mean to be a downer at the very beginning of this episode (laughs) just like I have complicated feelings I guess basically yeah like that didn't um, feel like a downer that's just um thinking critically which unfortunately we do (laughs) yeah yeah that makes sense and I think um yeah whenever we're like visibility I'm like I see myself. <laughs> um, but I also like I try to think of it like um like when I was a kid, I like obviously maybe not obviously, but I didn't know anything about um 
celebrate Bi Plus Week. I don't know if it was happening then. Um, I didn't really like experience a lot of um, queer representation, which I think is kind of a thing we talk about on the podcast. And so I like think about these spaces as ways um, to offer or like create some kind of visibility for young people or for people who are sort of coming into themselves to like see other possibility models. Um, And that is probably very like rose colored glasses of me. Um, But I think about that. um, And I also like when I do participate in like coming out day or like even pride and like things like that, I'm often asking myself like, who is this for? And Mm -hmm. like any answer potentially can be fine. I just like to be clear about it because I think if you like go into, I don't know, some kind of event and you're like, what I'm going to get out of this experience is that I'm going to um, like celebrate with a bunch of queer people, but then you get there and like, you actually just have to educate straight people. Um, That's the worst. But if like, that is a thing that you're prepared to do and that you want to do, that's fine. I guess someone has to do it. Um, But yeah, I think it's good to be, um, to take the chance to celebrate ourselves and to like come Mm -hmm, together when we can. Um, But also to like, know that um it's okay to have complicated feelings and to um negotiate them in whatever way feels good yeah that's a good point so for bi week we decided that we wanted to have uh a conversation about bisexuality uh i guess like we do in every episode but specifically looking at like (laughs) innovative (laughs) what are the things that we wish we had known about bisexuality what are the things we wish other people knew about bisexuality uh and i think we sort of our initial concept for this episode was that it was going to be like bi 101 um but i feel like we've sort of evolved Mm -hmm. in um in what the episode will be be um because we got some really great responses from some listeners and we're gonna kind of let that guide our discussion yeah this is like one of my new favorite things is like having um listener letters or like listener notes and comments um on the podcast it's really fun Mm -hmm. and moving um yeah so we asked you all um on instagram in the newsletter and on our patreon um for some thoughts about answering those questions. You know, what do you wish you had known? What do you wish other people knew? Um, And so we're, like Chelsea said, going to use some of that. Um, So I can go ahead and read our first one if we're ready. Yeah. Um, This one is from listener named Kyla. Hi, Kyla. Um, Kyla says, it's so interesting that I felt a need to find a bisexuality 101 resource when I first came out earlier this year. Congratulations. Happy coming out. Um, In my buy outfit Pinterest boards, list of queer literature, (laughs) and endless YouTube videos, podcasts, and Instagram follows, I found myself eager to explore this new part of my identity I was so excited to connect with. I ultimately ended up with the Bipod as my best resource as you guys are like the two queer best buds having a conversation with me about navigating this. I especially felt called out (laughs) with the early quiz episode. (laughs) (laughs) so did we (laughs) Uh, from that episode especially i have felt so seen and accepted into the queer community as someone who doesn't always feel like i fit into it Mm. i'm gonna cry i know 
If you've ever um, interacted with me in the Biopod DMs on Instagram, I like most likely have cried at your messages. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kyla's no exception. Um, I like have been think. I don't know if this is a tangent. I've been thinking about that a lot of like, I listen to so many podcasts and I have like really intense emotional connections like to a lot of the like hosts of these podcasts where like, this is the show I listen to when I'm like, having a bad day or when I like need to go to sleep or like whatever. Um, and like, I know how special, uh, and like important that connection is, um, Mm -hmm. and how they make me feel. And like the fact that we like are that and uh, like could be that for some people like breaks my brain in a very like (laughs) nice way. Um, a nice brain break. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, um, it's so wild. I love our podcast. Um, yeah. This um this message from Kyla felt like a really good place to start in that like the that uh wanting that resource feels very relatable. I mean, that's why mm-hmm. we started that's why the f- like first episode of the podcast um or the early episodes of the podcast were very like, we're going to take an internet quiz about, are we bisexual? And we're going <laughs> to talk about like our history as like bisexuals. And um, we, I think that's really like the framework that we started the show from. Um, and I, in some ways I feel like working on the bipod has like, um advanced my bisexuality which is like a weird way to say that but like i you've um, gone from intermediate to advanced <laughs> like i think in having in having a format where like we are having these conversations and having these conversations with our guests and in thinking about um what I don't know what would be valid like what did what did we wish we knew um what things are we like what systems are we trying to challenge Mm -hmm. um just like thinking about that I feel like has really made me more comfortable which feels weird to say but like Mm -hmm. um the the amount of times that I like question the like validity of my own experience of bisexuality has significantly decreased, <laughs> um, which I think is kind of the value of community and mm. the value of like shared experiences. Um, like even even though, you know, your experience of bisexuality is different from mine and is different from Kyla's and is different from everyone's, like, having a space to, like, parse through that is, has been really valuable for me. Um, And so I think maybe something that I didn't, realize until I started talking about this is um something that I wish 
I had known before or something that maybe I wish someone had said to me that now I want to like say to other people is that it's all that it's really valuable to be in community and that might like take time to develop like you have to find your outlets whether that's people you know in person or on the internet or it's a podcast that you're listening to or a Pinterest board or you know YouTube videos like that it's super valuable to be with people who have some shared experience with you and it's okay if you don't have that right now like that can be a mm. thing that you can seek out and that can be a thing that you can build and take time and like um it's been I'm trying I now cannot remember the like exact year that I came out but it's been over a decade that I've been like I'm bisexual and I'm in a very different place now than I was then and than I was five years ago but that like took time which um I generally don't like I would prefer that everything <laughs> um <laughs> I generally don't like <laughs> and so I guess a a message for past me that might be like I hope has some utility mm -hmm. for other people is like your bisexuality will like evolve and your understanding of it will change and like your comfort will change and that's like okay you're not like doing anything wrong or you don't need to like work harder to have it mm -hmm. figured out right now or like have a community right now mm, that's so valuable um yeah when I came out um I had a couple of very close friends who were bisexual um but I like had just moved away from them um and so I like didn't have a lot of people uh in my immediate vicinity um and so like my friends who were like you know a couple counties away like uh, sent me a coming out gift that they already had ready uh, before I came out because they were like, she'll figure it out. <laughs> um, and so like that was good. And like, you know, we're very conscious about having conversations and like, you know, celebrating me and like making me feel like I like had a place. Um, but I had where I was living, I had like a lot of gay friends, which is great. Um, and then a lot of straight friends, which is also fine. Um, and I was like, not, none of you have the experience that I have. And I don't know what what this experience is because like this is a new label um and so i like really related to kyla like i definitely have um like i call it the bipod but it's like just it's really just for me um like mm -hmm. a bisexual pride uh pinterest board of like let me find some nice things that are like pink purple and blue um and like <laughs> let me like explore like this aesthetic and like do I like it? What what about it? Do I like what is this? Um, and like YouTube videos and like hearing other people's experiences, I like really related to being like, okay, so like, what's on the menu? And like, what am I? What is this? What's all this? Mm. <laughs> um, so I really related uh, to that like seeking, um, and I'm so happy that we're part of that um, that journey. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I. I think one more thing that I like want to say about this is it's um, along the lines of like it takes time is the um, if it feels overwhelming 
that's okay. Like I think specifically about um, a couple of years ago, I realized that I really wasn't consuming a lot of queer content. Mm -hmm. Like the books I was reading and the shows I was watching and the music I was listening to wasn't really reflecting my own experiences very much or the experiences of my community. And I think part of the reason for that was that it was much more accessible to just consume like straight content. Mm -hmm. And I felt kind of overwhelmed at the idea of like, but how am I going to like find stuff that I like that is queer or there's like so much um, like, how do I find the right stuff or um I've also had this feeling like I want to know more about queer history, but then I'm like, history is so big. Like, what do you, how do I, what do I do with that? And feeling like, oh, I just like can't, I'm, that's overwhelming. I can't engage. And it's okay sometimes to be like, that's overwhelming and I'm going to take a step back. But it's also, it's also fine to just like start somewhere and um, you don't have to read every bisexual book that's ever been written. Hopefully there are more than you could possibly read. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and so you can just like start with the thing that feels accessible and, and you have time to yeah expand. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of, um, a conclusion we came to in an episode a while ago that you don't have to like do, you don't have to put everything into one thing. Like if you're mm -hmm. making art. Um, it's sort of this, like, it's okay for things to happen gradually and you like, don't have to know everything all at once. Um, and also like, I feel like as you're going through those like different stages, at least as I, as I was going through all those different stages, um, I was like a whole bisexual person at each one. Like even at, I, I wasn't like, you know. I don't know, getting points um, <laughs> or like snowballing. I was like, like a whole bisexual um, and just sort of like learning and growing just the way that we do in other areas of our life. Um, and it was very healing for me to hear you say that, like, um, you know, it's okay that these things take time to develop. Um, we don't learn how to do this when we're, you know, kids. Yeah. At least I didn't. Mm -hmm. um yeah um so we were um talking a little bit earlier off mic and we every um episode we know starts off with our quick bipod definition of bisexuality um which is being attracted to people who share your gender identity and to those who don't um and we thought that it might be fun to expand on that definition a little bit um here and just kind of talk about if that's um changed or evolved at all yeah um i i don't know if i i've maybe told this story on the podcast before um but there was a point in college where um <laughs> i i was at a party and i truly don't know what prompted this um but I was at a party and um most likely I was drunk at the time that this happened 
and uh, I was with some friends. Um, in fact, I was with Grace um, and uh, someone else who um, actually proving that time is a flat circle and the world is small. The person I was with in this story is now um, dating one of your friends. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, wow. Time <laughs> Unbeknownst to either of us, yeah. What a. Uh, um, and they didn't. I'm sorry. And they didn't figure that out until my friend brought up the bipod, <laughs> which yeah. I love. Yeah. There's seven um, people on the planet, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, I was like semi frantically. We're like at a party, and I'm. I just sort of remember like walking out into the backyard and being like, guys, am I being like transphobic by like by being bisexual? Am I being like, am I enforcing the gender binary? Do I need to identify as like pansexual? Is that, am I doing it wrong? And they're sort of like, well, I mean, not necessarily <laughs> and um it was really valuable <laughs> to have some people sort of say like i mean i i guess that could be happening but also um you know people have that doesn't you don't have to be like enforcing bisexuality isn't inherently like enforcing any kind of binary you could choose to like be doing that <laughs> mm -hmm. um but also some people like there are also distinctions that people make between bi and pan which not everyone feels that way but um they kind of offered the idea of like some people will um identify as pan because their experience is that like other people's gender doesn't like matter to their attraction and some people then choose to identify as bi because gender is a part of their attraction, even if they experience that attraction to people of multiple genders. Um, and I just remember sort of being like, okay, okay, I can like think about this some more. Like, I guess, <laughs> I guess I'm not doing anything wrong necessarily. Um, <laughs> but it was just like, uh, it was a moment of, of, it wasn't that I didn't, it wasn't that the label of bisexual didn't feel right to me. It was that I felt very worried that it was uh, maybe being harmful in some way. But actually, when I think about it, like, I don't think I was worried about I was not actually worried about causing harm. What I was worried about is whether other people what other people mm -hmm. were going to think about mm -hmm. my like label choice being perceived. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and. You know, not that it, like it's not that that's not worth being cognizant of or thinking about. Like, I don't think we should use labels that are harmful, but also questioning like, well, is it harmful? Why would it be harmful? In what context is it harmful? Like, in what way am I using it? And also like, is this am I making is this a decision that I'm making based on how I feel or is this about like? Well, what what are other people gonna think, or what are they gonna assume 
about me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a really good thing that that person um, intervened because this would have then been like the the pan pod, <laughs> which is perfectly fine, but it's not us, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And like for me, it's been really helpful. I think like my definition of bisexuality has evolved as like my understanding of gender has evolved. Mm, yeah. Um, and so I think like I probably sh- like shorthand um, in like my teens and maybe even early 20s would have like defined bisexuality as like you like boys and girls but like that and that can be like like, that can be somebody's experience um but i like wouldn't use that definition now i really like um the distinction um of one of my really good bisexual friends uh gave me this originally um and i've heard it other places since then but the definition of um bisexuality like that distinction being between the same and other um, rather than like this gender and this gender, um, it's sort of like experiencing, um, like we say at the top of the show, um, attraction to folks who share your gender identity and then to those who don't. Um, and like other people can sort of like have different experiences. I saw a TikTok brave on the internet, um, a while ago, um, where it it was when we were, um, doing some kind of research for our comp head episode. Um, and somebody had a video about, um, you know, do you find that you are attracted to uh, men who are celebrities, but not like real <laughs> men in real life? Let's talk about that. <laughs> um, and it was very charming. And the person who put it together was like, you can use whatever label you want. You can feel however you want. But like, maybe you should. You can like examine your relationship with men. And if you like realize that you're not actually like autonomously attracted to men, you can still be bisexual because like, A, you can choose whatever label you want. And also there are more than two genders. So like you cannot be attracted to men and still be bisexual. And I was like, that's true. And I like, that's not my experience, but like, I like that. I love how expansive it is. Um, yeah. And I feel like that was like me, that, uh, that like leap is a thing that I like maybe couldn't have done when I was like 18 and like didn't have a robust understanding of gender. Yeah, I mean, very much the same in that, like, I mean, I didn't have an, <laughs> I didn't have a robust understanding of my own gender. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> and so, uh, for sure, my, like, definition or experience, like, even my experience of bisexuality has changed as I have had, like, a different understanding mm-hmm. of my gender and a more expansive view of gender generally. Um, and I think I think constantly about how weird it is that the way that we like label or sort of divide up sexuality is like based on our gender in relationship to other people's gender. I don't know Ooh. why, but for some reason, I'm just like that. Why shouldn't wouldn't it just be easier if we just <laughs> said, like, here's the people we're interested in? Like, what does it matter what your. Yeah. Oh, interesting. There is which. I don't know why that I that just to me feels like it makes more sense like instead mm-hmm. of being like you're this gender and this other person has that same gender and therefore you're gay or you're this gender and this other person has a different gender and therefore you're straight like couldn't we just say 
I'm attracted to men or I'm attracted to a lot of genders or I'm attracted to women and just like categorize that way. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know. I just, well, that wouldn't serve the heteropatriarchy <laughs> very well. Now would it? <laughs> I mean, I guess plenty of people would make an argument that we like, why do we categorize people at all? But it almost feels like, like, I, I don't know. I just think about that a lot. That was a yeah. tangent. Um, I don't never know that I've ever here. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever said that before, but I think yeah. about it oh, constantly. That's interesting. <laughs> oh, I've never thought about that, but that is true. Like, um, hmm. Like the, the people that you're attracted to or the genders that you are attracted to um, kind of have nothing to do or they don't have to have anything to do with you. Like, Yeah. And maybe mm-hmm. sometimes they do, but then isn't that almost its own mm-hmm. experience? Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh. Because so I think it Chelsea. almost implies that like your attraction to someone else is about a difference or a sameness, which mm-hmm. it can like that can be a part of the experience, but I don't think that's inherently like it. Right. Hmm. I'm gonna be thinking about this. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> oh, gender. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That old chestnut. <laughs> that old chestnut. <laughs> uh, um, so I, for the first time recently, read the Bisexual Manifesto um, in preparation for this episode and also for my own curiosity. Um, we'll link it in the show notes if you want to read it. It's pretty brief. Um, but it was written in 1990 by the Bay Area Bisexual Network. Um, and I really... I liked it. Um, <laughs> my hot take review. Um, it felt very like um, very defiant um, and very sort of like bisexuality is not the things that you think it is. Leave your assumptions at the door. Um, and a, a quote that I pulled that I would like to share is we bisexuals tend to define bisexuality in ways that are unique to our own individuality. There are as many definitions of bisexuality as there are bisexuals. Um, and throughout, you know, the manifesto, they even say, like, don't assume there are two genders. Don't assume these, which I'm like, this is 1990. Y'all doing pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, there's a lot of sort of like, we like this label and also like we can decide what it means. Um, and just because we use it doesn't mean that you should really assume anything about us. Um, and I just, I liked the energy of it. Um, and I appreciated that even, you know, it was written 30 years ago, it still like resonated, um, with me and still felt like a useful, um, a useful resource really for some, like, um, I don't know what the word is, um, maybe not encouragement, but it felt like, yeah, (laughs) you're right. (laughs) Um, yeah, empowering, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Um, that it still felt like relevant and empowering. Um, and so like I said, we'll link that in the show notes um, if you want to read it yourself. Yeah. And I think that um, that quote, that there are uh, as many definitions of bisexuality as there are bisexuals, is really powerful. And something that I want like I want that on a billboard like I want that Mm -hmm. everywhere like put it on a bumper sticker tell the people um because I think it uh 
trap that I fell into um, earlier in life or like as I was coming to understand my bisexuality is feeling like I needed to have done certain things or that I needed to feel certain ways in order for my bisexuality to be valid. Uh, And in fact, there is no bisexual scorecard. Mm -hmm. Um, They don't, they don't give you one when you come out. It doesn't come in the mail. (laughs) Yeah. Which like great, but also like rude. Like I would love a check. There should be a welcome package. Okay. I've done it. I've done that. I'm good. We're solid. Like, do I get my membership card by mail or is it like an app that I download? Um, Digital card. (laughs) A badge. Uh, Oh my God. Let's make membership cards. Yes. (laughs) Um, Okay, I'm putting a pin in that. Um, <laughs> I like I remember in a a therapy appointment, like not long after I had started going to therapy. Um, I said something. I think maybe I had gone to a gay bar or something with some friends for the first time. Um, and at that point, I had never kissed a girl. Um, and I, I think what happened is I like got someone's number at the bar and we were sort of texting, but I was like, I don't really know what I do here. Like, I don't know how Mm -hmm. I proceed. (laughs) This is new. (laughs) And I was talking about this with my therapist and I said something like, I'm the world's worst bisexual. Like, um, and I've only had like experiences with men. Like, I don't know what I'm doing or how to do things. And my therapist like very lovingly was like, you don't have to have done anything to be bisexual. Like mm. you just are, which I did not hear that. Like I, <laughs> I was like, uh-huh. Like you have to say that. But- yeah. You have to say that, but I know what you're really thinking. <laughs> But now I'm like, oh, yeah, of course, like your sexual or romantic behaviors aren't what determine your bisexuality because like you can be like you stay bisexual regardless of the partners that you have, regardless of whether you ever have any romantic or sexual relationships, like the idea that you have to like have done certain things in order to like really be bisexual is like, like that doesn't serve queer people. The only people that that serves are, is like the cis hetero patriarchy that wants to like control us all and Mm -hmm. see the comp head episode for (laughs) like the end of that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I had, um, I think I've talked about this on the show before, but within like a few weeks of each other, I had these two experiences that um, like felt very linked um, and have like really like uh, shifted the way that I think about myself as a bisexual is um, I was in a car with one of my friends who's gay um, and there was a couple in front of us. I was like trying to park my car um, and it looked like a man and a woman just like wandering around just like taking up a lot of space um and my friend was like uh straight couples and then he looked at me and he was like oh sorry and I was like oh I'm not in a straight couple and I uh kind of haven't ever been but I was just like oh ha, ha 
like I didn't really I was like I don't know how to explain that necessarily but I was just like oh the thing that you just identified me as is not what I am but I like did it it was so offhand I was like I don't know like what this weird feeling is I just it like didn't resonate and then a couple weeks later I was with one of another one of my good friends um who was queer and he asked if um if the relationship that I was in was my partner's first queer relationship and I was with a man uh and I was like say more about that uh, <laughs> and my friend was like well it's a queer relationship because you're in it um and you keep existing uh no matter what's going on and I was like ah yes right <laughs> that makes sense when you say it that way and those two things sort of like clicked together of like oh I do still exist interesting cool 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 <laughs> great <laughs> um, and I feel like saying that now is like so like it feels really obvious but it really wasn't mm-hmm. um and I feel like it often isn't um and I still have moments sometimes like um when someone's like oh straight people I'm like that's not me nope don't look at me (laughs) um even though I'm like in my heart of hearts I'm like it actually doesn't really like most of the time it's like someone that I sort of know I'm like it doesn't really matter um what this person thinks of my sexuality like I'm not trying to like get with them um but also it does matter I want to be perceived in a way that I want to be perceived um and that's like I don't know a dance that I I do um but it has been really um important for me to like adjust the self-talk and to like make that a conversation in my relationship no matter who I'm in a relationship with that like this is a gay thing we're doing (laughs) it's a queer relationship um it's a gay house this is like there's queer stuff here because like I am here um Mm -hmm. and I think that if you have a partner who doesn't like that for me that would be a red flag um I happen to have a partner who is entirely fine with and embraces all of uh, those things which is good yeah but not a thing I would have known to ask for you know five years ago yeah Uh. going along with the like there is no bisexual scorecard um is the fact that no one else gets to define your sexuality in general um and so no one else gets to say like you're not bisexual you're this Mm -hmm. um it can certainly be like useful to have people who matter in your life reflect back to you their understanding of you or what they've observed as like maybe a tool to as you're like parsing through things but ultimately like it's not about what they have think it's about what you think Mm -hmm. and I something that I am working on is also remembering the flip side of that which is that like we don't get to define anyone else's sexuality. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> there, I just automatically assume that anyone cool is bisexual. Right. Um, and so Obviously. then when they're like, I'm straight, I'm like, are you? I don't know. <laughs> and then I will sometimes like <laughs> collect evidence in my head where I'll be like, I don't know, they said this thing. And like, I'm not sure they're really straight. Like, I'm Collecting not sure. evidence. <laughs> And it's not the kind of thing where I would ever be like, I don't know if you know this, but you're not straight. <laughs> I actually unless- have a case against you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unless it was actually a space where that was like, yeah. obviously there are times in your life, times where maybe you say to someone in your life, hey, hey I, you know, I've noticed this thing. Like maybe just, you know, to let you know. Think or about whatever. it. <laughs> um, 
But most of the time, like, it's not really that. It's just a, a it's a thing that I've been noticing and thinking about. Um, and like on some level, even if those people sort of are bisexual, if that's not how they choose to define, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, like everybody gets to do what works for them for defi- like define themselves in the way that works for them. And so mm-hmm. like there is a particular person in my life where I'm like, this like this feels very like <laughs> two plus two equals four to me. <laughs> But like that is not a, like they have not so that's not an opinion that they have solicited from me. And like that's not a um, it would not be appropriate for me to be like, I, I think you're wrong about yourself. Um, <laughs> There's an episode title for someone. I think you're wrong about yourself. <laughs> like, I think, you know, I think there is there can certainly be value in challenging like why do we yeah. default to assuming that we are straight? Mm-hmm. Um, but like, uh, it's a thing that I'm still parsing through. And bas- I just think it's uh, important to remember, like, no one gets to tell you what your sexuality is. And in turn, you, you don't get to tell anybody else. Even if sometimes it's like, if you just were, if you just thought about it harder, <laughs> if you were just honest just about bit. this, like, <laughs> Uh, um, yeah uh, that's yeah. so true that's the golden rule it's also like systemic right so someone who is by who maybe has experiences that could be classified as bisexual but chooses to define themselves as straight um i guess we also talked about this in the heteronormativity episode like that is uh there's lots of reasons that people might do that and it might be something that they are cognizant of. And also it might be that they just haven't had the like physical, mental, emotional like space or safety to mm-hmm. contend with that part of their identity. And like, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, just as with anything, like the way to uh, give someone space to know themselves more is not to be like, what you think is wrong. <laughs> Actually, I know you better. Like the actual thing to do is to like create a space around a person um, where they're like where they can radically be safe um, Mm -hmm. and be radically comfortable. Like that was definitely my experience. It took like a lot of um, processing and like getting to a very particular place, like in my community and in my friends and in my life, um, where I was like, now I can journey into the self, Um, (laughs) and that like wouldn't have been possible if I was like exclusively hanging out with people who like were like pressuring me to like identify differently. Um, Even like, I know I've told the story in the podcast before, but when I came out like to a few of my friends, I was like, you guys, I think I like girls and this whole thing. And they were like, yeah. And I was like, what do you mean? Yeah. And they were like, we have seen you make out with women. Um, We just thought you didn't like to use any labels. Um, but if you like bisexual, that's cool. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like people were just out here perceiving me without me perceiving myself. I <laughs> hate that. Um, but it was nice. And it was like very comforting to be like, oh, these people were just like letting me 
work my own stuff out and they were here when I needed them. Um, and that like that whole journey would not have been possible if I didn't have that in the world. Yeah. Um, you said something a while ago. I don't remember if it was on the podcast or not. Um, <laughs> it's one in the same. Um, <laughs> but you said something about how like your partner's sexuality is like actually n- none of your business or like it doesn't have to be. Um, I don't remember the context, but it like broke my brain also in a good way um, <laughs> of like you can like the person or people that you are in relationship with, like they don't have to be a part of your like sexuality journey. And I, I don't know. I like think about that all the time now. <laughs> like I like whoa. don't remember saying that, but I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a thing I would say. Like, <laughs> but that i think speaks to the same sort of idea of like you know if you love someone you give them the space to work their shit out um and you get involved at whatever level they want you to yeah being a person with other people very complicated (laughs) that is the work Uh, that is the work um we got another uh listener letter that's what i keep they're they're not really letters i don't know that's what i keep saying um (laughs) using letter in a general Mm -hmm. term in a general sense yeah um but we got a another listener letter from a listener named fritz um who happens to be a uh, a bi guy Congratulations. We love a bi um, guy. Yeah. And a bi guy baby boomer, which we also love. Yes. Um, very exciting for us. Um, so Fritz says, you asked for stuff buys need to know. Here's one that took me over 40 years to find out. When you're working with a mental health professional, they will ask you lots of questions. They will even ask you if you've ever suffered trauma, but they won't ask if you're bisexual. And they might not even know that just living as a bi human means you suffer trauma. Bias must be very strong self-advocates for mental health treatments that are bi-specific. Yeah. Um, And this, I think, is a, it's sort of a good compliment to the, like, there is, there's no, there's no bi-scorecard. There is no singular bisexual experience. It's not a monolith. And also, there is a shared set of, experiences that both like there's sort of layers like queer people have a shared set of experiences based on the fact that we are like living in a um a heterosexual culture and also like bi and multi-attracted people specifically have a have some shared experiences and like challenges that we face that like other people don't necessarily and it's like it's valid that um to have specific needs like Mm -hmm. which feels like it should be obvious but i know that for myself it has often not felt obvious um and i to talk about therapy for another point in this episode, the um, I have been very lucky that the therapist I see now, we've been working together for 
like five longer than that. We've been working together for over six years. I like didn't wow. realize it had been that long. Like that's a very long that's term awesome. like relationship. Yeah. Um, and actually now that I'm thinking about that is maybe like my most long term relationship in terms of a person <laughs> that I am like regularly engaging yeah. with for an extended period of time, which I'm like, whoa, oh, um, next commitment. time we have a session, we're gonna have to have a conversation. I'll be like, can we talk about this? Um, <laughs> and having that uh having that long-term relationship with someone who is very like um queer informed isn't really the right word but i just i basically just mean like she's used to working with queer mm-hmm. people and is like um comfortable yeah like uh I I actually don't know specifically how she identifies. My impression is sort of like a soft straight, like (laughs) soft straight, (laughs) straight light. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. (laughs) Hetero flexible, our favorite term. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But like, I think uh, the point I'm trying to make is in this, on the pod, I think we've talked before about having, how like having a um a romantic partner can teach you a lot about like relationships or having like a really powerful um friendship can tar- ta- teach you a lot about friendships about partnerships like having a safe um space with someone can really model like how you want other relationships to be and also make clear like what's important mm-hmm. um in working with this my therapist on like such a long-term basis it has made clear to me like how important it is like if i were going to go start seeing another therapist like i have a list of things that i would be like well they need to be like they need to work used to working with queer people and they need to be like used to or like open to working with like non-monogamous people and they need Mm. to like be like all of these things that I now know are important to me that like I didn't know before um and I guess my point is like you're lucky that you like happened to be with a therapist who had those skills before yes. you came into needing those maybe. Or yeah. You like did you did. Um, I, I'm lucky. I'm lucky that I discovered the importance of those things by having my experience validated mm-hmm. rather than discovering it by having my experience invalidated. Mm-hmm. And I think any kind of like relationship with a a healthcare practitioner um, can like have this dynamic, but I think therapy specifically is like a, is someone that you are going to to help you like address trauma mm-hmm. of some kind or like address how you like move through the world and to have that person like invalidate your experience is. Uh, like it's the opposite of what is supposed to be happening. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, but it's, I think it's hard to like prioritize that or like recognize your own validity. And I really value Fritz naming that. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I think I told this story on the pod before there was a point where I went to um, the doctor and the doctor was like asking me all the sort of standard like questions about my like health history and was asking about like sexual partners and um, asked about like gender of previous partners. And, um, and I had like indicated that I had had partners of multiple genders and she was like, okay, well, you know, just keep trying, like you'll figure it out. And like, I'm sure (laughs) she thought she was being very progressive, Uh but I was like, yeah, I have fucking figured it out. Like, like (laughs) figure what out? (laughs) Say more about that, (laughs) ma'am. If you just have like, if you just have sex with enough people, it'll become clear to you that you only Mm want to have sex with a certain type of person. Mm -hmm. That's like a scientific study. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yes, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, um, wow, what a methodology! <laughs> <laughs> and like that was that was an instance where I was th- I was like, this is so fucking ridiculous. I'm just gonna like tell everyone about this stupid comment. <laughs> um, but like, a, it's the there's definitely a way that that could have been really damaging. Yeah. And also, like, even even if you know some a comment is like a stupid uh, or an like ill informed comment, they like add up hearing they those do. kinds of things over and over again. They do, and especially when it's like, um, like I'm thinking about. I have a doctor right now that I don't like, and I will be switching soon. But I like have to go see her again, um, and I'm like, ah, I'm just dreading it. She's just, um, just not not for me. Um, but I'm like, I think that that affects my care. Um, like she asks me questions and then doesn't believe my answers. Um, and so I'm like, well, like if I was going to give you an answer that would like, maybe not be like the right answer to give a doctor. Um, like I, I would, I'm motivated to lie to you, um, because you've demonstrated that you're like judgy and weird. Um, and so like, you can't actually Potentially, you can't actually care for me in the way that I need to be cared for um, because, like, I'm not comfortable bringing my whole self into this room, you know? Um, And I think that, like, I'm thinking about that on the physical level, um, but in therapy, that's especially true. And I like that Fritz pointed out, like, therapists will ask you, like, really personal questions. You'll have really, like, personal, deep conversations. And yet, it's entirely possible that they'll just sort of, like, not be well-versed in like a huge part of your identity and like not be well-versed in thinking about and asking questions about how like this big part of your life and your experience of moving through the world might be affecting um, or intersecting with any of the other experiences that you're talking about. Um, And so you're like sort of half, they're like half understanding you or like partially understanding you um, Mm -hmm. by not knowing how to or choosing not to um, traverse that part of yourself with you. Yeah. There are like all kinds of reasons that we might have to like it's very common to not have a ton of choice in like mm-hmm. the healthcare providers that you see or like have it be very difficult to exercise choice. Um and so 
want to like acknowledge that if you if that's a, something that you have to navigate and you don't have a ton of choice in that like I'm sorry and also like you're valid and you're not doing anything wrong mm-hmm. and it is like within your rights or like it is normal it should be available to you uh there's nothing wrong with saying like actually I would prefer to work with someone who's queer or I want someone mm-hmm. who has this kind of training or these kinds of qualifications and like the feasibility of that is obviously going to be determined by your own situation, the area that you live in, like all kinds of things. But like you are not being needy or like demanding or weird by like wanting care that is specific, that is yeah. uh, specific to your experience. Yeah. Yeah. The first time that I like sought therapy on my own as a grown up, um, I felt very proud of myself. Uh, but they were like, do you have any like specific requests for who you want to see? And I was like, well, if it's not too much trouble, I would love to sp- not speak to a man. Um, like, if that's the only choice I understand. But like, I, that'd be my preference. And they were like, yeah, that's fine. You You don't have to talk to a man. And I was like, oh, cool. And then like one of my friends who's going to the same um, office, was like, oh yeah, and I said I wanted she she's a woman of color, so she was like, I want a woman of color, I want a queer person, I want these things, and I was like, oh, it didn't occur to me that I, like, I really thought that I was doing something by being like, please not a man, <laughs> um, but like that's within your right, and like you said, like um, you know that resource may or may not be um available depending on many factors, but like you can always ask, and it's like fine to, to do that. Yeah. Also, fine to break up with your therapist. Hmm. Or any doctor. If you're like, I don't want to keep seeing this person. Um, I want to find someone different. Like, you're not doing it wrong because it didn't work out. Like, get the care that you need. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're not doing it wrong. Yeah. Uh, Having a physical form, such a burden. Uh, If only (laughs) we were just vibes. Uh, Imagine just being a vibe, never having to get your blood drawn. Uh, that would be nice. Uh, I, sh- I, feel I like actually we should- don't mind getting my blood drawn. I'm a weirdo. That's like really. I'm cool. Yeah. Oh, I faint. I'm like a baby. Like I can't do it. Someone has to drive me. I black out every time. You tender, tender snowflake. I am very tender. Last time I had to get my blood drawn, um, Sydney drove me there because I like can't drive after I've like just fainted. Um, and he like took me to get a coffee after to reward me because I put it off for a long time because I don't like it. And I did a hard thing, so I got a reward. Yeah. Ugh, simply the worst. Um, I guess we should tell, the, if it wasn't obvious already, we're recording in the evening, and so this is the bipod after dark, um, <laughs> if we're being goofy. I don't, I, this, I don't think it would have been obvious to other people. Oh. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I hate getting my blood drawn. How do we get here? Because <laughs> we were talking about doctors. That's true. And doctors be doing that. Yeah. Yeah, so thank you, Fritz, for um, that input. We really appreciate it. Um, We have one more uh, listener response um, from Flo. Um, So I'll go ahead and read that. I've thought this over each time you ask for our input, and to be honest, there's not much I wish people would understand. They don't need to understand everything as long as they respect people's identities. I don't understand everything about each and every sexuality in the queer community. Hopefully enough to not say anything shitty, but beyond that, it's not that I'm not curious or interested when people want to share the intricacies of how people understand their own sexuality. It's just that I'm happy to say, I don't entirely get it, but it's cool. You do you. That said, here are the basics I would like people to know about bisexuality. 
One, yes, it exists. Two, yes, even for men. Three, no, it's not transphobic and does not erase non-binary folks. Four, no, it doesn't make people more likely to cheat. Five, when we don't need, sorry, five, we don't need to have a debate about pan versus bi. People come to choose one or the other for different reasons. And six, don't assume we're here to tell you salacious tales for your entertainment or to join you in a threesome to spice up your relationship. Uh, Flo is coming in here with the hard facts. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, honestly, we probably could have just used, like, this could have just, the whole episode could have just been like, here's the six things you need yep. to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So true. Uh, <laughs> Flo's like, I have a structure. <laughs> Thank goodness for them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I also, I, I liked what they said. Um, and it feels like it, you know, fits into this current conversation that we're having of, um, you know, like, People don't necessarily, I think when you first asked the question of like, what do, what do we wish other people understood? Um, Flo like hit the nail on the head of like, I don't just want to have a threesome with a straight couple. Like that's like different as <laughs> a different thing. Um, yeah. But I think when we asked that question, the responses, I was like, oh, you're right. We can be more expansive than that. Like um, we actually don't have to be understood um, or like mm. other people don't necessarily have to understand the exact intricacies of the experience we're having right now, but like they should be respectful of it. And like, we should like be flexible with each other. Um, and I just liked the, I like the energy flow is bringing into the space. <laughs> yeah. This is, uh, I was having a conversation with someone about gender um and it was sort of like an unexpected conversation because it was someone with with someone that I don't know very well but they were asking like very thoughtful questions and I was like okay we're cool um and one of the things that they asked me was like you know what basically what can uh cis people do like they didn't quite say it like that but the sort of like (laughs) so what do I do with this information now (laughs) yes and what I said was like um, you know, I wish cis people thought m- more about their own gender, <laughs> like mm-hmm. think about what gender means to you and think about your experience of gender. And I think that applies broadly, like mm-hmm. um, straight people should also be thinking about their sexuality and like, what does that mean to them? And I think that for me has really been the best lens for like understanding or making peace with the ways I do or don't understand other people's Mm -hmm. experiences because at least for me, I, um, I like talking about what my experiences are and it's very easy to feel like a zoo animal when people are like, wow, that's unimaginable. What's that like? (laughs) And it's like, well, actually, if you thought it all about your own experience, like you might say like, wow, that's different from my experience, Mm -hmm. but you probably wouldn't be like, I simply can't imagine. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And so like really thinking about like, oh, how do I feel? as a way to recognize that like um like i think i think our culture is one where a lot of things are sort of presumed to be the default or we're taught that we shouldn't really think about them it's like 
straightness and cisness and whiteness. And you're not, you're supposed to be like, these are the defaults. And so Mm -hmm. if you're default, like you don't have to think about it, you just exist. And Mm -hmm. it's everyone else who is having like an experience, like everyone else is different and they have a thing to think about. But you, if you are straight, cis, white, like you don't, you just like exist in the world mm-hmm. and you're, you don't have like an identity. Yeah. Um, yeah. You have time to f- think about sports. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you're just like the baseline yeah. and everyone else has like something extra going on. Yeah. And if you actually, if you spend any time like unpacking any of those things, I think it really it makes for a shift mm-hmm. in like, yes, other people are having different experiences than you, but you are having an experience as well. Yeah. Like, it's not like you just uh, are, you're not just a vibe, like a, a formless experience floating <laughs> through the world. Like you're having an experience of gender. You are having an experience of sexuality. You are having an experience of race. Like you just might not be thinking or examining the experience that you're having. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not yeah. I guess it's not asking other people to do labor of of like explaining to you how it is just to like have an experience. Mm. Like they can tell you about their experience, but you should have done the baseline work of acknowledging like mm-hmm. having an experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um and I think like I know that we've talked about this on the podcast before, but even like just the shift of like it it can be very destabilizing um, in, I think, an exciting way, but not everyone feels that way, um, to be like, these things that I'm doing, particularly around gender and sexuality, ultimately, they're a choice that I have agency over. And so, like, you know, if somebody is, like, a straight cis person, like, those are choices that they are making. They, those are not behaviors that they absolutely must do. Um, there's nothing... Um, there's nothing stopping them from making a different choice. Um, and like, I think that's cool and exciting. Um, but if you are invested in and benefiting from potentially a power structure, um, it, that's, that can be scary um, to feel like the thing that is um, stable and kind of like shorthand and pursue, assumed in, um, in the world is in fact flexible and not natural and not necessarily inherent. Um, and like just giving uh doing that internal work i think like gives you the pathways to uh be very flexible and generous with other people having experiences and like um just like being open and seeing people you know where they're at in their own definitions of themselves mm. so once again we've given you a, a short easy definition <laughs> uh, <laughs> there is one more thing. I mean, there are probably many more things, but <laughs> <laughs> one thing that Flo's message made me think about that I wish I had uh, understood earlier or had started to unpack sooner is like Flo mentions some things about like, um, You know, it doesn't like being bi doesn't make people more likely to cheat. And we don't have to have a debate about should you be bisexual or should you be pan? And um, 
we're not here to tell you like salacious tales and like all of those things are true. And I think there's a way in which like I know I have fallen into a trap of being like, well, I shouldn't like do this thing because it's like a stereotype about bisexuality or bisexuals. Mm -hmm. And so like I should act a certain way or like police myself in a certain Mm -hmm. way. And actually, like, you don't have to perform being a good bisexual. Mm -hmm. You can be a chaotic bisexual. In fact, we encourage it. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Like, embracing the, like, chaotic bisexual energy has really been big for me. And, like, Mm -hmm. um, I think becoming comfortable with, like, I don't know, like, the expansiveness of, like, I think, for instance, about um, all of the the stereotypes about, like, bi people being promiscuous or, like, they'll have sex with anyone or, like, things like that. And it's, like, that's not true, but also, sure, like, if you want, if yeah. that's good for you, <laughs> do like, what you want. <laughs> anyone, like, whatever. Um, you actually don't have to to follow some, like reverse rule of being like oh if they think this thing about me I it can't be true yeah. like you're you're not propping up a stereotype if you are being a like genuine to your own interests and desires and like you're not responsible for like other people's assumptions or the way in which they collapse an identity into a set of behaviors that may mm-hmm. or may not be true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If someone is like, wow, that bisexual person is sleeping with a lot of people. All bisexuals do that. That's not your problem. That's their problem. And I wish them <laughs> luck on their healing journey. Um, but it's like really hard to, it's hard to make that shift. Um, I think, you know, there's pressure to sort of like, like you said, to perform being a good bisexual or, you know, insert identity here um to sort of like be i don't know a good example to straight people or to whoever um and like we actually don't have to have that burden we can just do whatever um feels good yeah for us and like you not uh cuffing your pants um isn't gonna (laughs) make like other people stop thinking that's a bisexual behavior yeah like, you, that was a silly one to think, yeah but, you, you know, only like, drinking one beverage at a time <laughs> is not gonna solve you know like bi erasure so yeah. you know drink your hot and cold beverages together it's fine <laughs> you are not personally responsible for systemic assumptions and prejudices yeah actually <laughs> yeah there's Wild. no reason to like sit with both your feet on the floor in a chair all day okay yeah it's fine <laughs> be chaotic if that's what you want yeah. mm-hmm. you know you don't have to be chaotic if that doesn't if that doesn't yeah you can be you. peaceful bisexual as well yeah um <laughs> you can be serene <laughs> whatever variety of bisexual you identify with um you want to be chaotic you want to be lawful you, whatever <laughs> it's all we're you know you're welcome here yeah <laughs> <laughs> Mm. <sighs> yeah <laughs> no, i'm just like thinking of all like 
the silly um, stereotypes of being like, if you want to watch parts of the Caribbean and be attracted <laughs> to multiple people in there, just fucking do it. It's fine. <laughs> uh, that's so good. Um, and I think that like when we free ourselves from that pressure to like be a good example, um, we can like play with those stereotypes. Um, yeah. You know, like we just did with the sitting in a chair properly and whatever. <laughs> like I, der- I derive a lot of joy um, from those like those kind of like shorthands and like jokes and like quote unquote stereotypes. And like those are not the ones that are particularly harmful, at least in my experience. Um, <laughs> but I think that like the the more we can get free from um, worrying about, you know being like being representative of bisexuals or of queer people or of whatever group like the more that we can kind of divest from um what often just boils down to like respectability um and assimilation um the more that we can get closer to who we are and be fulfilled yeah expansiveness is a much better model than restriction mm-hmm. yeah mm. There we go. We solved it. Yep, we solved it. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> we didn't even charge you. Um, what, what What were the three payments before? <laughs> for how to be a person. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, you got this for free. You have yeah. completed Bisexuality 101. Congratulations. Um, you are now, you've moved from whatever beginning, intermediate, whatever. You're advanced. Congratulations. Uh, because yep. you are yourself and you know your experiences. Your certificate of completion is uh, in the mail. <laughs> we should do that. Just have like free PDFs of like, I'm gay. I'm bisexual. I'm, <laughs> I'm enough. And with a little gold star. That would be nice. I love that. We mm-hmm. can work on that. I love a certificate personally. I love an award. <laughs> Okay. Should we well. wrap it up? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the bipod after dark so goofy. Yes, we should. Um, okay. Well. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to this episode. The Bipod is made possible by our patrons, including Bicon level supporters like On God Gill and Christy Rodriguez Rivas. You can find us on Instagram at The Bipod and on our website, thebipod.com. This show is produced and edited by me, Chelsea Bergen. And our theme song is Coming Home by Snowflake.